Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say revelation? Prophecy. Well... Don't get too wound up because we're not getting into prophecy today. We're getting into some very practical application things that come at uh, an abs- as an absolute must when it comes to the fundamentality, the fundamentality of our ministries as a church. And there's one thing that you heard me say earlier that kind of over uh, the canopy over all ministries that can be broadly applied must be centralized on Christ. Now, a lot of people think that that means that, it, that everything has to be centralized around the gospel. Well, it does. But how does, the, how does the gospel represent itself in the lives of human beings? In their troubles? Their problems? Even Christians. Once you come to know Jesus Christ, did you still need the gospel? Because I want to tell you something. The gospel does not only cover Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins, rose from the grave three days later. That is not the totality of the gospel. The gospel comes in the form of 66 books, 66 books that has been attacked in its history unlike any book has ever been attacked. You're going to start seeing some pretty major changes with some translations. But you're also going to see some headstrong people on the other side who are going to try to push things too far the other way. I, I keep my eyes wide open these days, and I, and I watch. And it's not that hard to find false prophets, the ones who like to, t- like to come in and tell you that you don't have the whole story without the Gospel of Timothy. Did you guys know there was a Gospel of Timothy? Yeah, it just showed up. And here's the position. Can somebody say they serve God if he isn't even big enough to preserve his own word? How long did it take for me to detect that person as a false prophet? And then we mark them as such. And then we take that little bit of information that we know that they're pumping out into the society and we retain the fact that we just found out, confirmed, that this stuff's being taught out there. And guess who's, like, guess who's likely to come across that information? Everybody. And how many people who are Christians find themselves in that place where they've been forced to justify the validity of God's word? Can you justify the validity of God's word to another person who's a non-believer? No, you can't. If we convince them to be saved, they're lost, more lost than they were before. So it comes down to this. Jesus died on the cross. He did provide salvation through that death, that life, death, burial, and resurrection. And that's the meat of the gospel that we know holds the key to salvation. But you know what the gospel is too? 
It's somebody who's trusted in Jesus, who's facing a struggle or a difficulty in their lives that's real, and we have biblical knowledge applied in order to help people through those situations. So this is how ministry has to be. Women's ministry, I hope that at some point it will have some gospel message in it. They're going to be doing some things that are actually going to be outreach things. But I also hope they're going to be doing things like eating lunch together. They're going to be doing things like going on shopping trips together. Why? What's that have to do with the gospel? Fellowship. Koinonia. Not just gathering together to hang out, but koinonia. Real interweaving of individuals in the fiber of their lives. So that when times get difficult, just like I mentioned before about those willows, really shallow roots, the willow sits out by itself and the ground gets wet and the winds come along and blow very hard, willow tree just fall right over on its side. But then they found areas where six, seven willow trees all grew in the same area and even though their roots are shallow, they interwove with each other to the point that no matter how hard the flood came, no matter how hard the wind blew, no matter how anything affected it, all of their roots being tied together held them together and gave them the ability to stand. The whole purpose behind a church is to encourage one another as we see the day drawing near. And who hasn't seen in their lifetime the day drawing near? So that encouragement, that encouragement is absolutely a part of the gospel. But we know that there are some serious mistakes that churches make by forgetting just by forgetting did you know you can become so busy doing things for God that you leave Jesus out of it did you hear me I'm telling you from somebody who has experience at it you can get so busy that you're actually working against him because as far as we're concerned, we're trying to, uh, to accomplish a task. And, and I think as it's been a while since I said this, when I had level one, two, and three um, leadership training at the Missouri Baptist Convention for the summer missionary program, that level one, two, and three leadership training, the first one that I sat in, this dawned on me. I've been a youth pastor for a long time. Hadn't been a pastor yet, but I've been a youth pastor for a long time. I went up there thinking I was about to task. 10 weeks of mission work, right? We got lots of people out there who need to see Jesus, right? Fill that calendar up, man. Provide them with the opportunity. Send them all over the county. Do everything that they need to do, right? You know what never crossed my mind? It wasn't about that. It was ultimately about that. But you know what it was really about? It was about me having the opportunity to teach college students how to go out and affect their world for Jesus. So was it about the task? Nope. It was about the person. Jesus' relationship with us as individual. We share corporate worship mentality because the same Holy Spirit resides in all of us if we're believers. Let's take a look at what a few points here before we get into, and, and, and I'm going to try to get out of here on time today. We'll see how that works. So I want you to look at the first three verses in chapter one real quick. First three verses. 
the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place, and he sent the communication, or he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. I want you to look at these first two verses really closely again. Let's read it again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, Jesus Christ, to show to his, Jesus Christ's, bondservants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and communicated it by the angel to, or by his angel to his bondservant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Now, people will say, why John? Why did God, I mean, at this point, John's writing, John's writing this, everybody's dead. There is not one apostle alive at this point. He is the last one. And if you remember, when Peter met Jesus on that seashore, and Jesus told him when he grew older that they would take him where he does not desire to go, and what did he do? Turned around and pointed at John. He said, what about him? And Jesus said, if I keep him here until I return again, what's that to you? I'm paraphrasing, of course. That's exactly what his words were. What's that to you? And the mark was this. Throughout Peter's life, Peter was the one who did make constant mistakes, who always thought he was doing the right thing, but for somehow always got it wrong. John was the one who wasn't quick to act. He was a little bit more reserved in the way that he acted. And he also spoke, guess how many of these churches, uh, these seven churches, guess how many of them John was involved with? All of them. John was a very respected apostle and pastor figure to every one of these churches. It was important that he deliver that he get this message that Jesus deliver this message to John because John, you think John to those seven churches is believable? Yes. You ever read the book of Revelation? How much stuff in it's far-fetched? I'm here to tell you, you, you can read through that thing and you will, go, you will jump through hoops to try to rationalize this stuff. This isn't easy stuff. How important is it that you have credibility before a message by God is being sent out to those churches? What he says in three. I want you, you if you want to mark this, mark, this is an awesome verse that will teach you a total life application skill. You ready? Blessed is he who reads and those who hear and heed the things which are, which are written in it. For time is near. This was written about 1900 years ago. Time's near. Blessed are those who hear me. Blessed are those who read it. Blessed are those who hear me. And blessed are those who take me seriously. That's what that means. Blessed are those who read it. Blessed are those who hear what I'm saying. And blessed are those who take it seriously. 
The reason he says this, and we're going to jump a little bit. Here's how he announced himself in verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I want to tell you something, and I feel like the last couple of months I've been screaming this. I'm talking about in general in life, and I don't, I don't think I've ever felt like I've been ignored more. And it really is just what time is it? I've said this at least 50 times since I've been here. But here's the catch. One of these I'm going one of these days I'm going to say it, everybody's going to catch on to it and it's going to mean something. If Jesus showed up unannounced sometime today. Are you ready? Are you ready to look the creator of the universe in the eyeball for the life that you've lived, the choices that you've made, and the things that you've done? Are you willing to look him in the eyeball and justify any choice that was made that was contrary to him? Because here's the deal. Does it matter whether he comes back in the next year, three years? Does it matter? Because what's the point? He's coming back. And I want you to hear me when I say this. Please hear me when I say this. Have you seen the world? Did you know that there are three worship facilities that have been built in Dubai? One has a cross over the top of it. One has a star of David over the top of it. And one has the crescent moon and the axe or the sickle. And all three of them, adjacent to each other, facing each other. Do you know what this is? It's the one world religion. It's here. Has it blown itself up huge? Don't take my word for it. Look it up. It's all over the internet. Did you guys know that a replica temple of the third temple has been built? Did you know that they're teaching priests in that temple, that replica? They're teaching them how to be priests. You know what else is there? The red heifer's there. You know who the red heifer is? It's the first sacrifice in the third temple that kicks off the beginning of the end. That red heifer is about six months old right now. She has to be three. You guys have heard the cryptocurrency thing, right? one world monetary system it's coming but you see here's the deal I can either choose to run around in circles and try to throw up flags so that people see the signs or we can stay focused on the task at hand take as many people with us as we possibly can and that only happens by us staying focused on what God sets before us. Should I worry myself that maybe in three years Jesus is coming back? 
mean, according to this, it's not going to be a fun time. But am I worried about it? Actually, when I separate myself from what this is doing to all the people in my life that I know, I'm excited as I'll get out. Honestly, for someone who's a Christian, there is no more exciting time in the entire time that this planet has been here than the time that we're sitting here. Will it be harder than most? Yes. Is it going to continue to get even harder? Yes. Are there things we should be concerning ourselves about? Yes. Are those, are those the things we concern ourselves about? Are the things we should be concerning ourselves about the things we are concerning ourselves about? Are we picking what Satan throws at us and choosing what our pain is? It's distractions. This book also says there's going to be a great falling away. Do you know what that means? It means that people are going to begin leaving the faith and their churches in large numbers. Guess what's happening across the globe right now? You think Highland's the only church that's shrinking in attendance? You know which ones aren't? The ones that aren't telling people the truth. The ones that are entertaining people with the laser shows, the giveaways, the ones that are getting people in so that they can pad the pocketbook, not for the sake of the soul that's inside of them. Those are the churches that are growing. The ones that will look at somebody and say, it's okay if you sin, Jesus paid for that. But you see, the problem always goes back to the same thing. Look at verse 17. We'll read straight through to 20 before we get to chapter 2. John says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and in the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You'll understand why he explained himself that way when we move forward. He's establishing this principle. A principle that even a Jehovah's Witness can't build an argument against. Did you pick up on it? Do the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is God? No, they do not. But what did Jesus just say? He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was dead, but is now alive forevermore. Can God die? No. The whole Jehovah's Witness say that you have to trust in Jesus, but Jesus isn't the source of salvation. The Father is the source of salvation. And they'll tell you that. Jesus has no power to forgive sins, according to the Jehovah's Witness. None. But what did he just say? Now here's the deal. If anybody's going to sit in judgment over a church, who has the right to do that? 
the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was dead or paid the price for the right and is now alive forevermore as the head of that institution. Does he have the right to judge it? You better believe it. Because he knows its intention. He knows its motivation. He knows every fiber of that church's being. Why? Take a look at what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. Now, the description he gave earlier was necessary in order for us to grasp what he's saying here. And you'll notice at every beginning of every one of these letters, Jesus announces himself in a different way. And he announces himself in the way that he is actually dealing with the church. So if the church is a church that's encouraged, he will encourage that church. If it's not encouraging and it's doing things it's not supposed to, he brings judgment down on it. And he's the one that says, this is what you're doing, and if you don't stop doing it, I'm going to come take your lampstand out of its place. So when he says, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, I could theologically argue with anybody about this, to be honest with you. I don't believe that the church has an angel specifically. I believe we have angels. But I don't believe that that's what he's talking about there. If you're going to deliver a letter to the church, who are you going to deliver it to? The pastor. This is God saying, the one who holds the pastors in his hand. The one who walks amongst the golden lampstands. In other words, Jesus is not a detachable God. He doesn't detach himself from us. He's here. When we form these ministries and we try straightening things up, he is watching it. And just like those churches, he knows every fiber of our being and what the intention and motivation of our hearts are. And if he didn't give us these seven letters for instruction or warning, what did he give them for? Because coincidentally, this first one, is it still there? Is Ephesus still there? Is the church in Ephesus still there? No. It's not. Want to know why? Read with me. Verse 2, chapter 2. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot endure evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Stop. Don't read ahead. This is a happening church, right? I mean, these guys have got it solid theologically. They're solid fundamentally. They're even willing to stand on the truth and prevent anything opposite the truth from penetrating the church. These guys are doing awesome, right? Verse 4. But I have this against you. You have left your first love. You've left your first love. Let me ask you something. If you have it all, can do it all, 
you remember when you first placed your trust in Jesus? If you can think back, for some of us, I know that's a while. The day we trusted, and it was real. And those of you who experience this know exactly what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit moving you, pushing you in directions that you know you would have never found yourself alone by yourself. His influences, the ways he's placed things around us, the way that he's continued Why do we do what we do? I mean, we're all doing something, right? What's the reason that we do our something? It should be. It should be. But it's not always. You know when that person who is aggravating is all get out? Who likes to stand on that one nerve when you're down to it? Is it still about Jesus? When your dinner gets interrupted by somebody, is it still about Jesus? When you disagree with your spouse or disagree with someone else, is it still about Jesus? Because if it was really about Jesus, how much different would every one of those turn out? And this is why Jesus has to be the central. You know one of the reasons I've fought the giveaways, the tactics to pull people in the church? It's got to be about Christ. Because I've told you many times before, and I'll tell you again, you want me to fill this church up? I can fill it up. I can quadruple the church's income inside a year. The question is, where does Jesus go in the midst of that? He's lost in it. Because all of a sudden we get driven by the number of people who are sitting in the pews, the number of people that go on the board. We get driven by everything in the world. And then we start to go a little bit crazy because something doesn't work out for us. If you make it about Jesus, does he know what he's doing? Hold, everybody look up at me. I'm, uh, am I bumming everybody out? Everybody's looking at the floor. <laughs> Serious question. Where is Jesus in your life? Because I've heard it all in the last couple of weeks. I've heard it all. I've heard, I'm telling you, I can't even bring some of the stuff up. I need duct tape. The church needs to start buying duct tape. <laughs> Somebody asked me what I do with duct tape. I'm going to wrap it around my cranium to keep it from exploding. See the Jesus side of that? There are so many people in this world who don't know. They don't know how. How are they supposed to know what they don't know? So when women's ministry becomes about Jesus, women are taking care of women in every capacity. Every capacity that's a need, every capacity that the Lord opens the door for, amen? Because it is the gospel. As long as we remember that we are doing what Jesus told us to do for the effect that Jesus wanted to have on people, 
This is why when we, when we stay focused and do what we're supposed to do, other people benefit. We get to see people's lives be happier. And if everybody tracked this, if everybody tracked this, when your life is where has Jesus, where he's supposed to be, how good is it? The second he comes off center, what happens? The truth is, folks, I don't know what's coming. I mean, I know kind of what's coming as much as the Lord has decided to share with me and anybody else on the planet. But I can promise you what I do know is coming. I want nothing more than for everybody who's in this building to be ready for it. And that means you can't be distracted from your discipline. You can't be distracted from your training. You can't be distracted from your learning. This is what Satan's trying to do. Because I'm not going to stand up here and give a date, but I'm telling you, I believe Jesus is at the doorstep. How much more can I do to encourage you to get ready? Because I promise you, I will offer you everything you need to get ready. But here's where I'm at. I'm spending so much time spinning wheels on things I shouldn't be spinning wheels on. And it comes down to this. Regardless of what comes, are we in this together? Do you know what that means? It means I'm going to love you whether you want me to or not. But we get kingdom business to do. So here's where I am. I am very tightly, quickly, and narrowly focusing myself. We got a job to do. Kingdom job. Do you want to come do it? Come on. If you don't, then just choose that and walk away. Because if you read the rest of those letters, there's another one in there. I think it might be the next one. And you know what his problem was with that one? I would that you were hot or cold. But since you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know what he's literally saying in that? Be saved or be lost. Don't be in the middle. Make a choice. The choice to trust in him, it's going to come with its struggles and its difficulty. And I can tell you in the world we live in right now, you walk away from Jesus, you may have it a little easier here. I mean, if you're going to bat on the team of uh, the prince and power of the air of this world, you're probably going to live a little easier. You're not going to have all the conflict, the moral conflicts, the ethical conflicts. If you're not going to commit 100%, walk away. What's important is that this relationship with Jesus be what is, is instituted into every relationship. And I'm getting to the point where God's beginning to show me that if I lay all of the valuable goods out and somebody turns around and walks away from it, 
then me doing it again would be what? Casting my pearls before swine. So I'm learning. I'm learning how to not be so distracted. I'm learning how to try to figure out where the time invested is beneficial and where the time invested is wasted. Because is it true? It happens. Do you know what make my job a whole lot easier? Just put Jesus where he belongs. Just put him where he belongs. You put Jesus where he belongs, and I promise you that I will be there every time that you trip. I'll be there every time you stumble. I'll be there every time you fall. You can have scratches on your forehead, and I will help you up if you put Jesus where he's supposed to be. But if you ever get to the point that you don't care what Jesus thinks, what do you expect me to do? So I'm asking you this, folks, because this is a symbolic kickoff this week. The meeting that's going to happen as soon as I close in prayer? Symbolic kickoff. The men are going to meet too. I'm going to sit down with Matt and Caitlin. We're going to look at youth ministry. Sit down with Caitlin and Rosie because we're going to look at the children's ministries. I told Rosie, no holds barred. You want to designate an entire night? Let's designate an entire night to kids' ministry. And then figure out ways to move the energy from that night into Sunday morning, Sunday school, and into... These are doable. But don't ever make the mistake that the power's in the plan. The power is where it always has been. It's in Christ. And if you want to access it, and you want to manifest it, he has to be in the right place in your life. Period. He gets say over anyone else. Period. And if you're going to make it through the difficult times ahead, that's exactly where you better be working really hard to keep him. Right in the center. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, you'll know what that means. Just come tell me you want to be saved. I can't save you, but I'll take the time necessary to explain to you what this relationship's about. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope that you hear me, and I hope that you hear the love in my voice, because the truth is I do love every one of you. I do. When we usher in the kingdom of heaven, I want nothing more than to have every one of the people in this church standing by me where is he today it's time to move him put him where he's supposed to be and it really is that simple thanks again for listening if you have questions about becoming a Christian discipleship or if you have prayer requests you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC have a blessed week Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.